Welcome to episode number two of the Sooner Scooter Show. I'm Eric G from 97.1, the sports animal in Tulsa. I think last week I called it the Sooner Schooner Podcast, but like you, I'm still learning. This is a new venture for me, and we'll get it right. I'm going to guess about 30 episodes in. We will have everything down. This is our weekly discussion of the hottest topics you and your friends are discussing at the bar when it's concerning Oklahoma football. And this week we'll touch on Jeff Levy, and I'll tell you why he should and shouldn't go to Alabama. We'll also break one of our rules and talk a little OU basketball. Normally, we're football only, but since Porter Bozer's name is being leaked to Notre Dame, we'll discuss the overall position of the Oklahoma basketball program and its basketball job, and we'll have a little fun discussing whether or not Josh Heupel should have remained in Norman and whether or not the OU football program would have been better off having him as their head coach instead of Lincoln Riley. So let's get to this Jeff Levy thing, which is the hottest topic that is going on here in the state of Oklahoma right now. And depending on where you look on social media, he's either already told Alabama no, that he's not coming, he's not interested in their offensive coordinator job, or Alabama is going to name him here in the next few days. I mean, truthfully, I don't know. And I don't think anyone knows except Jeff Levy and except Nick Saban. And honestly, this is not something you should be discussing with anyone. Look, I haven't seen any breaking news on this. Um, Whatever the case, here's what I will tell you about this, all right? If you're Jeff Levy and Nick Saban wants you to come to Alabama, the main reason you say yes to this job, and you don't even think twice if you're being asked this, is because you want to be a head coach. Because at this point, There is no better job to have if you want to become a head coach than being an assistant at Alabama. And by being an assistant, you could be a coordinator, you could be a position coach, hell, you could be an analyst like Mike Stoops was, and somebody will figure out a way to elevate you from that position because every single athletic director in America is looking to get some of what Nick Saban has. And for the most part, and here's the the real reason Alabama is so successful in getting their assistants picked up. Most of these guys go on to have success once they leave Tuscaloosa. The best example of this, okay, and I know what you're thinking I'm going to say, but I will tell you the best example of a success story coming out of Alabama is Mike Loxley. I know, you thought I was going to say Kirby Smart, right? No, it's Mike Loxley. He was a disaster at New Mexico. A, it wasn't a good fit. He didn't really know the area. He's an East Coast guy, a Maryland guy. You're coming out to the Southwest where the high school football is god-awful, despite the fact that they produce people like Brian Urlacher and and Landry Jones, and um, we'll go with Tommy McDonald. Um, there's just not a lot of talent in the state of New Mexico, and it's hard to get kids from the East Coast to go to Albuquerque and spend four years going to school. So it was horrible, horrible for him. He even punched a coach while he was out there, and you know, in hindsight, I don't actually blame him for doing that. But you go to Nick Saban's school of the rehabilitation, then you get a crack at Maryland where it fits you perfectly, And now you're getting mayonnaise dumped on your head at bowl games. That is a great success story. That is the 
the quintessential Nick Saban rebound story. You add to that Kirby Smart, who's now a national championship coach at Georgia. Lane Kiffin, who was a pariah in college football, is now a wild success at, at Ole Miss. You know, that's another reason why you take this job is guys that had crummy reputation. Steve Sarkeesian, remember, had the alcohol issue at USC. He had done okay at Washington. Then he's doing okay at USC, then the alcohol problem, then boom, you go to Alabama, then you're at the Atlanta Falcons, you're back being an offensive coordinator. Now you're running, in my opinion, uh, what is the best football program to run in all of college football or should be the best football program to run in all of college football. I mean, come on. Texas has the money. It's got the recruiting base. For some reason, they just can't get it together. And I will tell you that Sark is a horrible fit at Texas. At least it feels that way. Uh, he, he reminds me a lot of John Makovic in, in a lot of ways, that he just doesn't fit the Texas mold the way guys like Daryl Royal, Mac Brown, and Fred Akers did. But the point of the matter is, is that if you want to be a head coach, and that's all you want, and you can go and you can take Nick Saban questioning every single thing that you do, because it's not going to be easy. Nick Saban's not a warm and fuzzy guy. He doesn't seem as sarcastic necessarily as a Bill Belichick, but he's not far from it. And if you're Jeff Levy and you're just saying, I want to be a head coach, or if you're anybody and you're saying, I just want to be a head coach, you swallow your pride, you go, you deal with what you have to deal with, and then you get elevated. Now, I don't know if he's the top target or not. A guy like Vince Dooley and a few other dudes are on that staff who have head coaching experience. It'd be very easy to... Elevate them. You could certainly justify it. Not that anyone's going to question what Nick Saban's doing in Tuscaloosa. And it would be a much easier transition. What I would also like, and I'm just going to play agent to Jeff Levy here. If I was advising Jeff Levy right now, the first question I would ask him is, are you happy? Are you happy at Oklahoma? And if the answer is yes, then I'd say, why would you consider going to Alabama? Because unless you just want to be a head coach, unless that is your only goal and you want to be that sooner rather than later, then don't mess with happy. If you like working with Brent Venables, if you think this program is going to have success, and I think we've seen that OU can be a launching pad too. There are enough examples of that. Um, add Josh, you know, I go, I add Josh Heupel. As, as a launching pad for OU, you can add Brent Venables to that. Kevin Wilson, who's now back at Tulsa. Mark Mangino, the list goes on. We know you can get a head coaching job at Oklahoma. It may not be the hot name now with a lot of athletic directors because of the recent lack of success, well, really just last year. But you stay here and you produce – yeah, you're going to get a crack if that's really what you want to do. But if you're happy and you don't want to be a head coach, you just want to be a coordinator at a Blue Blood, which is a hell of a job to have, then don't mess with it. Don't go to Alabama. Don't consider it. Tell Nick Saban thanks and, and move on. Now, as a fan, what does all this mean for you, the fan? Because really, that's what this is about. You know, we can break down offenses, defenses, we can talk about recruits all day long. But what does this mean to you as the fan if Jeff Levy decides that he's going to stay at Oklahoma? Okay? 
And I'm doing this based on the fact that maybe Nick Saban comes in with some sort of 11th hour offer at this time. What does it mean for you? Well, one, if you like to argue with your friends at a bar or over coffee, depending on what your age is, you can certainly pull out of your back pocket and say, well, Nick Saban wanted him if you're a Jeff Levy fan, so obviously he must know what he's doing, despite the fact that he's only called plays one year. Um, If you dislike Jeff Levy, you can come back and say, well, so what? Nick Saban wanted him. It's not like Nick Saban is infallible. Ultimately, I wouldn't be doing backflips just because Jeff Levy is staying. And that's not saying that he's a bad coach. I don't pin any of last year of what happened OU on Jeff Levy because, one, I'm a little different than a lot of guys that you'll meet and you'll talk to. My opinion is that play calling's overrated. It has been beaten to my head by several coaches that I've either covered or worked with think players, not plays. I never think about scheme, how awesome it is, you know, I, as a matter of fact, I hate gadget plays. It's one thing that always drove me crazy about Lincoln Riley's all the gadget plays. Like he just couldn't stand not. It, it's like Lincoln Riley just couldn't stand going a full sixty minutes without calling some nonsense gadget play. So if it worked, he could hear Joel Klatt or some other former quarterback talk about how awesome that play call was. I don't care about your play call. I care about if it's executed right. And if you've got the players. And this year, OU did not have the players. They didn't have them on either side of the ball. But you saw a steep drop in the offensive talent. Next year, with this number four recruiting class, according to ESPN, number five, according to 24-7 Sports, all these dudes that they're bringing in via the transfer portal, maybe we see things start to get better. Maybe we see Jeff Levy and his offense start to have more success than what it did. But you as a fan, I mean, if you're happy about him staying, remember that happiness is only temporary, and you're not going to be real happy unless he produces. And if three, four games into the season, the results are like they are last year, you're not going to care that Nick Saban wanted him and he stayed. You're going to be thinking, man, he should have gone to Alabama because he's not doing anything good for us here at Oklahoma much the way you thought about Josh Heupel. You didn't care about him winning the 2000 National Championship when you thought his play calling was bad and he wasn't getting the most out of his players. You wanted him gone. To, you wanted him gone. You didn't care where he went. You just didn't want him in, at Norman. So those are, those are really, I mean, that in a nutshell sums up this whole situation with Jeff Levy. Do I want him to stay? Yeah, sure. Why not? Do I want him to go? I don't get caught up into that. You know, fans get caught up into that real emotionally, and it's not that I'm not a fan. I pretty much am a fan behind the microphone. But I always look at coaches, they're like scorpions. Scorpions, it's in their nature to sting. That's what they do. Coaches, they leave. They come and go. That's what they do. It feels like they're always looking for the better the better job unless they can get to that quote-unquote dream job. And coming up next, we're going to talk about the dream job and why it's not always what you think it is. Thanks for listening to the Heartland College Sports Podcast Network. This is the Sooner Schooner Show. I am Eric G. from 97.1 The Sports Animal 
in Tulsa. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Let us know what you think. Give us five stars. Tell us how awesome we are. Or you can be like the OSU fans on the Bedlam podcast. You can tell us how bad we suck. I mean, we don't mind that either. Uh, but still rate us five stars um, if you do that. Okay, so I was kind of toying around with this today and wanted to get into it on my show. I didn't. I got into it with James Hill on his show. And I was looking at the fact that, you know, Josh Heupel got this huge raise at Tennessee. And he's 18-8 and eight overall in, in Knoxville. He's 11-2 he's and two this year with a win over Alabama. I just thought, God, man, would OU have been better off if Josh Heupel had never been fired? Okay, and we never tangled with Lincoln Riley. Because ultimately, OU was his springboard to USC. Had we never gotten involved in the Lincoln-Riley business, and yes, I said we, um, would we have been better off with Josh Heupel? And it's an interesting thing to think about because at the time Josh Heupel got fired, there were enough people writing checks and enough people crowing on sports talk radio that Bob Stoops needed to make a change. And even though Bob Stoops may not have wanted to do it and there were people in the administration that thought it was best for him to do it, um, he ultimately pulled the trigger, sent Josh Heupel packing. Now, for Josh, I'll never say it's good for anyone to get fired. Getting fired sucks. Having been there myself, there is no more kick in the gut than when you think you are in a dream situation and somebody tells you, you're not good enough to be here. It's just not working out. It's difficult. At least for Josh, he got jobs right away and was able to build it into one hell of a career. It wasn't good for him to get fired. What was good for him was to get out of the shadow of his of his football playing success and to get away from a place which was so negative for him and give him an opportunity to clear his head and then go on and get the opportunity to run two football programs. That is what was best for him. And if Josh Heupel had just been allowed to be himself, had he not been told to make some changes, and, you know, running a little bit more option football, whatever the Bob Stoops wanted him to do, if he'd just been allowed to be his own man at OU, and maybe it had worked out, when the time came for Bob Stoops to retire, you could have had a seamless transition. Now, look, none of us will ever know. And I'm not going to sit here and, and blow smoke up your skirt and say that, Josh Heupel would have had the same success that Lincoln Riley did going to all those college football playoff games. I don't know if that'd be true or not, but I certainly know, oh, you'd be in a better situation than what they are now because you would have consistency in the program. And if he's anything like he is at Tennessee, OU was going to be successful. Maybe you end up in the playoff. Maybe you don't. You're probably winning some Big 12 championships. That, I think, is, is the easy, easy thing to say in, in all this. But when you have that dream job, and think about this in your own life, dream jobs aren't always dream jobs, okay? You've got enough examples out there of guys like Mike Gundy, Kirby Smart, Jim Harbaugh, even though Michigan's in a bit of trouble right now, and Pat Fitzgerald at Northwestern that say, hey, if you can go Coach at the place you know and love the best, you're going to have success. But on the other side of that, there's Cliff Kingsbury, fired at Tech, Scott Frost, Paul Christ, who's actually good at Wisconsin, and for some reason they got rid of him. 
And then there's Matt Luke, who was at Ole Miss, former player, and got let go. Think about it from an agent standpoint. Guy comes to me and says, I got a chance to coach at my alma mater. I tell him to stay as far away from it as possible. Because if you played there and they loved you and they look at you as a hero, if you go and run that program or you're an assistant on the staff and you're part of that program and your job is to either maintain maintain greatness or elevate the program from good to great or from bad to good or whatever the situation is and you don't get it done, all of a sudden you're going to find yourself in a really bad position to where you can't go back. Everybody says time heals all wounds and there'll be a period of about, give it about 10 to 20 years when reunions happen and and, and they're bringing people back from the, the great teams you played on where you can go back and there will be enough people that will think of you as the player, but they're always going to remember you as the coach. And they're always going to remember that you screwed things up and they're going to hate you for it. You didn't do it on purpose. That's just the way things worked out. So for Josh Heupel, as much as I love to entertain the fact of, God, what would it have been like if he'd been here? And no, he wouldn't have been, he wouldn't have stabbed OU in the back the way that Lincoln Riley did. Ultimately, it worked out great for him. There is no coach on OU staff in the past 20 years that I could be happier for than Josh Heupel because the way it ended for him was was awful. Still mad at fans over that because, hey, this is the, this is the quarterback that won you your only championship in the last 22 years or national championship in the last 22 years, and all y'all do is think of him as a dog. It's probably ultimately better off that he didn't stay here. It may be better off for Porter Mosier if he doesn't stay at OU um, when it comes to, to their basketball program. Um, I've actually seen people already call for his firing. I think I didn't know anyone was still that into OU basketball to be that upset o- over mediocrity or not being as good as they could be. But him going to Notre Dame does make a lot of sense. One, it's upper Midwest. It's a Catholic school. He, he fits the profile there. Two, I would say right now it is a better basketball job than Oklahoma, despite the fact that Notre Dame has been to only one Final Four throughout its history, and OU's got a few Final Four banners hanging in the Lloyd Noble Center. OU, I, I have no idea what Notre Dame's basketball facility workout, you know, workout facility is like. Would think it wouldn't be as good as OU's, which is not that old. You know, the Griffin Center's really not not all that old. But Lloyd Noble sucks. And we can admit it, right? Those of us that went to school there <laughs> as, as late as the 90s know that, that that building is just awful. One, it's it's hardly ever at capacity. You're never that close to the action. It just, it's it's not a lot of fun to go into. And you can only put so much lipstick on a pig with the mismatched you know, mismatched seats and everything. Yeah, Notre Dame has got a better playing facility than OU. ACC versus SEC. Don't really count the Big 12 here. ACC versus SEC is probably six of one, half dozen of the other. But I'm beginning to think that guys like Billy Tubbs and Kelvin Sampson and Lon Kruger, hell, even Jeff Capel, may have fooled us into thinking that OU was a better basketball job than, than what it is. And when you come to OU, especially right now, as as 
the Sooners get ready to make that transition to the SEC, I don't think as a basketball coach you can really expect a whole lot of support for the administration because football's got to give get everything. And certainly it would help to have a, a new arena, a smaller arena, someplace that was fun, someplace that A, was state-of-the-art, but B, was compact enough that you could feel like you were part of the action. And even that may not drive people back to go watch OU basketball. It is a football school. They went to the Final Four a few years ago and didn't even sell out games. You need a superstar. Now, if you've got a superstar like a Trey Young or a Blake Griffin or a Wayman Tisdale, people will pay to go see them, but they're not just going to go pay to see winning basketball. And if you're a basketball coach and you know that, you might think twice about taking this job. But usually, the guys that OU gets are guys that have been at smaller schools. You're giving them a raise. They come in, they have success, and then they realize there's pretty much a limit to what they can accomplish. And Billy Tubbs probably topped out at this school getting it, getting OU to the national championship games. They haven't been back since 1988. It was really their only opportunity to pull in that brass ring. And even had they beaten Kansas in that game, it's not very likely that OU would have turned into some sort of basketball dynasty. It's a football school first. So is Notre Dame. But it just seems like Notre Dame right now is a little bit more equipped to want to compete, despite the fact that they're 9-12 and 12 this year. Mike Brick going, I don't know what Porter Moser's going to do, but I think you got to think long and hard about it. And, and as OU gets into the SEC and football, you get more settled. At some point, it would be nice if you made a bigger commitment to basketball. That wraps up the show for this week. Remember, Please subscribe, rate, and review. Give us five stars. Let us know what you think. We love having you along. And we close out every week the same way, if this is the first time you're listening, by me telling you, may God bless you and your family. As the great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to paraphrase, the great Don Cornelius, love, peace, and boomer sooner.